Welcome to the Confident Feminine Body Podcast, a place of healing and transformation in your relationship with your body, food, and fitness. I'm your host, Elizabeth Marbury. I'm an intuitive healer and coach and founder of our Confident Feminine Body Program, where I help women build their self-worth from the inside out, free their voice, and love the sexy skin they're in without diets, deprivation, and self-sacrifice. Think of this podcast as your empowering and fun self-love guide, where you'll get real-time advice and tangible tools as we navigate this body and food freedom journey together. Let's dive in. Welcome back to another episode of the Confident Feminine Body Podcast. So today we have Dr. Nicole Williams. She is a native of East St. Louis and a board certified obstetrician and gynecologist. With the philosophy of marrying both alternative and traditional medicine, Dr. Williams opened the Gynecology Institute of Chicago in July of 2013. Since that time, she has expanded the GIC to three locations and has cared for thousands of patients and their vaginas. Dr. Williams has a degree in English literature and biochemistry from the University of Illinois at Champaign-Urbana and an MD from Loyola University, Chicago. Dr. Williams has appeared in Red Book, Prevention Magazine, Cosmopolitan, Chicago Sun-Times, womensforum.com, BuzzFeed, and Bustle. She is a tireless advocate for women's health issues, especially maternal issues, and has successfully lobbied Congress on behalf of her patients, having her formal remarks on maternal health entered into the public record. Dr. Williams also travels the world extensively, educating and operating on those who need it in the most far-flung places. She has worked in Haiti, Rwanda, Ghana, the Philippines, and Cambodia, to name a few. Dr. Williams has also made many appearances on ABC, NPR, WGN, CBS, and Fox Chicago as a noted speaker on women's health. In This Is How You Vagina... Her new book, Dr. Williams seeks to dispel all the myths she hears from patients every day about their vaginas and to empower them with vagina knowledge. Thank you so much, Dr. Williams, for being here. I am so excited to talk to you all about vaginas. Me too. Can't wait. Let's get started. Yes, I love it. So I would love to hear from you. What is vagina positivity and why is that important? Thank you for asking that one. I advocate for vagina positivity because there's so much negativity out there surrounding the female genitalia and this information, this misinformation and this misleading to people who own vaginas, making us think that somehow this beautiful, remarkable and sacred space is diseased, smelly or disgusting has been complete. And this is to actually make us purchase and make us buy things to somehow cleanse a space that is already beautiful, that is already perfect, 
and make us buy things because of our fear that somehow our vaginas are going to be offensive to some third party. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yes. I'm thinking of all the products that it's like, oh, make your vagina smell good. And, and I remember just as a teenager being so confused about it too. Like I didn't know what was normal and I thought, you know, certain things were so gross. And so I love that you are all about educating women about their vaginas. So they don't feel shame. Like that's incredible. So what are some of the common myths or fears that we have that we carry about our vaginas? Some of the biggest myths that I see is that any small abnormality, any small little change indicates that something is terrible that's about to happen to us in our vaginas. And I want to explain to many of my patients that women, especially we as vagina owners, we live in these ebbs and flows with our cycles. We're cycling not only with the moon and the tides, but we're cycling in our own time. And because we have so many natural fluctuations, we need to learn to understand those fluctuations, track our fluctuations and embrace those fluctuations as part of our sacred feminine. And when you say sacred feminine, what does that mean to you? Sacred feminine means to me, knowledge of self, embracing our true selves, embracing our vagina's ability, not only to experience birth, but to experience amazing sexual pleasure, whether that be partnered or whether that be solo. That is for me, understanding all of femininity through the glory of our genitalia. So why do you think that so many women carry shame around their vaginas? That is a very, very deep and all encompassing question because this happened, this is, this is not some brand new phenomenon. It just happened in, you know, 2021. This has been going on since antiquity. Since America has been founded on puritanical values and this is what it is. It's, it's not, you know, it's not good nor bad. It this is what it is. Women have been subjugated. And one easy way to subjugate and to keep one particular population down is to negate their natural power. We hold the power of birth. That's a pretty big power. And by holding that population to a certain level, it's easier to control. That is my biggest, that's why I wrote the book. I want my patients to really understand and go, wait a second, I'm actually okay. I'm actually incredibly powerful and I should embrace all aspects of my vagina. I love that so much. I love that so much. Yeah. It's it's if we feel ashamed of our bodies, it keeps us down. Right. So okay. yeah. And wow, there's so much coming up when I'm hearing you talk. I, I have two children and I know that we live in a society that pretty much teaches us that once we give birth, we just need to like tighten it all back up like overnight. Right. Yes. <laughs> right. Yes, Absolutely. And 
there's, like I said, it's all about trying to get you to buy stuff. But for me, I need my patients to understand giving birth is an amazing experience. I've had women report to me that have actually experienced pleasure in natural birth because it can be not, it's not this scary thing that see exactly. It's not this scary thing. It can be marvelous and incredible. And after you give birth, yes, it can take some time, but your vagina has collagen, you know, the collagen that we love to have in these bits here in our faces and, you know, around the the little smile lines, this collagen helps the vagina to snap back and it does snap back, but it's not instantaneous. It can take about two or three months. And when I talk about giving birth and what happens to your vagina after having given birth for somebody, if you're having sex with a person with a penis, that penis holding person should be super excited that you decided to mix your DNA with them and guess what? If you need a couple months, it should really be okay. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love that so much. Yeah. Because I think that there's this guilt that, that women have about, Oh, there must be something wrong with me because I don't want to have sex yet. And I, I want to shake them because I, I struggled with postpartum depression and, um, I feel like even if you're not struggling with postpartum depression, It is such, it is so much to give birth and have this baby on you, touching you all day. And I, I want women to give themselves permission to honor themselves. And it doesn't mean that you're never going to want to have sex with your partner again. I think, I think we kind of want to go to these extremes, you know, especially if the partner's kind of feeding that to you and sort of like, right. And so allowing women to voice how they're feeling and say, babe, I love you. I still want to have sex with you right now. I'm so touched out. I don't feel great in my body. I need you to just respect that and really be able to communicate that with, with their partner. Do you, a lot of your patients experience something like that similar? They do. And one thing that I do talk to my patients about is because your body does undergo such a massive upheaval. I mean, people who are born with penises do not undergo such a massive physical change. And it is something that is a little bit difficult to wrap your head around. If you somebody who's been pregnant, you're like, oh my God, what happened to my body? And I want to change that paradigm. And I tell my patients this, stand completely buck-ass naked in front of a mirror after having given birth. Recognize this is your body. You did this super incredible and amazing thing in every little stretch mark, every little thing, every even change in your vagina should be loved and embraced and cherished from your little belly to your labia to your ass. It is all beautiful. Oh my gosh. You're speaking my language. I mean, and I think when we... I know a lot of the work that I do is it's one thing to like, say that, right. Like look in the mirror and like, love, love what you see. But I think it's the, the bigger issue is that as women, we are, we're constantly needing to come to a place where we can rebuild our sense of confidence and self-worth from within, because I think I know that was something I, I, I was a professional dancer. There was a time where I was so, so much my self-worth was weighted in my appearance or my weight or my age, you know, or all the external. And 
I think the power lies in how do we, how do we have that confidence from within? So that way, when our bodies will inevitably shift and change, whether that's childbirth or aging, I mean, the whole, the whole marketing around women aging and that we shouldn't ever age and we should never have wrinkles and we shouldn't, you know, there's so much. And I love how Dr. Williams, you, you keep coming back to, they're just trying to sell you something. Like, I love that so much because I feel like that is like the whole like beauty industry, the weight loss industry, all this stuff. It's like, they just want, they just want your money. And so I always tell, tell the women I work with, it's like, find the people who are going to help you build that sense of confidence and self-worth from within. And then yes, if there's an actual medical concern that you have, go, go speak to a doctor about that and obviously get that support. But I think, you know, a lot of women aren't in a place where they can look at themselves in the mirror and be like, I love, I love me. I love my body. I love, you know, it's, it's hard, especially if, because we live in the society that tells us that we should be valued on our appearance and it praises thinness and all these other things. Right. So yeah, I, I love that practice. And I also think it's like, how, you know, how do you go deeper to the internal? Yep. That's exactly what vagina positivity is all about. And that was the entire reason I wrote, this is how you vagina, because you look at some of the other, there are many books that talk about physiology and all that kind of stuff, but I didn't want to just talk about physiology. Sure. We talk about physiology, which is important because I want people to understand the basic science behind many of the things that our vaginas do. However, I wanted to look at the history of how we have come to this point in 2021 with regard to how women have been able to progress, true, but how we are also still stymied and still stifled. Mm, Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I know we don't have time to go into the whole history of the vagina, but can you give us like a a little bit of a glimpse into the history of the vagina? Like have women always, have women always felt, I guess the word that's coming through to me is like a disconnect, right. Or, uh, like a, it's like, oh, I know in my, my grandmother's generation, it was like, oh, that's the down, you know, the downstairs, like that's for the husband. That's not my territory. And there was no ownership over it in a way there was like a, it was fear. And then my mom, she actually went the whole other direction of like, we got to talk about this. We got to embrace it. You know, like she, okay. I'm outing my mom. She's going to, she's going to die when she hears this. But when I was 11 years old, she sat down with me and was like, Elizabeth, it's okay to masturbate. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, mom, for enabling me to masturbate. (laughs) No, encouraging me to masturbate, um, which I do think is a very freeing activity for women. But um, awesome. she's amazing. <laughs> so when we're talking about a little bit of the history, it can go all the way back to, you know, how whenever a woman happens to have like normal emotions, such as if I get angry at something, then it must be something going on with my hormones. It must be because I'm pre premenstrual or something like that. So if we look at, and this goes all the way back to ancient Egypt, I'm going to read just this teeny weeny little paragraph here in ancient Egypt nearly all women's maladies were attributed to vaginal discharge or the so-called migrating womb. The theory of the migrating womb is this, 
when a woman had any problem, whether it be the head, the foot, or anywhere in between, it was believed the uterus traveled to that spot to cause her turmoil. Meaning, whenever there was anything wrong with a woman, they thought that the uterus had actually dislodged from its spot and went over there to cause trouble. Wow. It goes all the way. This, this is the explanation of being hormonal and PMSing just because I might've had a bad day like any other human being can do. Mm, wow. Wow. And that was from what, how long ago? This is ancient Egypt. We're talking, you know, BCE before Christ. Wow. I mean, talk about the beliefs of our ancestors that we've inherited and, and now, you know, we're trying to untangle ourselves from these, you know, like, wow, that is, that is so incredible. So I would love to know, um, three things that you didn't know about your vagina, because we don't know what we don't know. Right. So, okay. So three things you didn't know about your vagina. Number one, your vagina can actually quadruple in size, of course, to give birth. That is, that's a big one. And it can snap back. Like we talked about, and a lot of people think that it's going to be this droopy, terrible thing known in actuality during um, pregnancy and thereafter, your ability for orgasm is actually increased during pregnancy, very specifically because of the amount of blood flow that you have to that area. Ooh, the, wow. Uh, second, yeah, I know. That's one I like. Um, the second vagina thing that a lot of people don't know about is that we have twice as many nerve endings to the clitoral complex versus people who are born with penises. So our ability for sexual pleasure is approximately twice that of men. Unfortunately, women who do engage in partnered sex uh, only have orgasm about 35 to 40% of the time, as opposed to 85 to 90% of the time for our penis owners. So that is one of my big ones. And the third thing is bacteria in your vagina are actually normal. We want bacteria in the vagina. A lot of my patients think that any bacteria, the presence of any bacteria is a bad thing, but in actuality, the presence of bacteria is a good thing. The healthy bacteria is called lactobacillus. And I th think I mentioned lactobacillus about 70 times during in the book, because I equate healthy gut with healthy vagina. And we know this to be the case when our bacteria, and these are symbiotic bacteria. These are bacteria we like when they're in concert and they are all working together, we have a much happier and a healthier vagina. That is so awesome. And I I'm just thinking of the marketing again, of like the poor marketing messages around, Oh, let's kill all this bacteria. And it's so gross. And let's throw the serum on it. So it's better. And so I so appreciate you educating us, us about what is actually true. And I would love to talk more about sex and orgasm so how do you think that women, what do they need to know about their vaginas in terms of boosting their sex life or even their, I'm curious how sex drive is connected to the vagina or if it is. Well, that's a double ended question. So we'll start with how we can learn to improve our sex lives. We're talking about partner sex, male, female. This is where we're just going to talk about just to, just to make the conversation a little bit easier. So if we're talking about cisgendered, male, female, partnered sex. 
I would advise all of my patients to understand what makes them tick themselves. There's this big thing out there that men are supposed to somehow give women orgasms, like here on this silver platter, I'm going to do this amazing thing with my penis, and then it's going to make you have orgasm. Well, I tell my patients this, unless you know how you know how to come, you're not going to come. So you have to know how to do it yourself. And the reason that I did have Dr. M. Joycelyn Elders, please look her up, do the foreword for my book is because in the 1990s, she was actually fired from her job as the Surgeon General of the United States of America for mentioning masturbation. Just like your mom said, it's really okay to masturbate. She mentioned this as a part of sexual education that should be taught as something that is a viable option. And she was fired for it. As far as I'm concerned, I posit to all of my patients, you got to know how you tick in order to have somebody else help you tick. So that's the, that's the first part of the question. Now we're talking about libido. So if you are a person who has sex with a person with a penis, you all you gotta do is just put your hand there and just kind of wiggle it around. And they're like, yeah, let's do it right now. Awesome. I love that so much. <laughs> it's the truth. Now for us, that's actually different. Sexuality for cisgendered women starts in the brain. So we need to start to fantasize about sex more. We need to think about sex more and think about the pleasure that it can bring. Not like it's, it shouldn't be a chore. It shouldn't be this thing that you just kind of have to do because you want to make your husband, boyfriend, whomever happy. It's something that can bring you pleasure. And by considering it, in your brain, it will make you more responsive later on when it is time to actually have partner sex. Wow. That I, I totally agree. That really resonates with me. And, um, in terms of the sacred feminine, I talked to, uh, Susan Morgan Taylor, who's a, a sex therapist about this. And, and you just touched on it, which I love so much is this idea of, we have kind of been taught that your partner gives you an orgasm. And that really isn't true, right? The truth is, is that as women too, and I'm curious your take on this is we need to learn first how to even receive, right? Like so many of us, we can't even receive a compliment or receive, you know, I, I love your pants. Where'd you get those? And Oh, these old things. Oh my gosh. These are horrible. You know, it's like, we can't even receive a compliment. How are we going to receive an orgasm? But, um, (laughs) but I, I really agree with you. I, I feel, I mean, that resonates with me so much that, that we get to take ownership over our own bodies and the sensations and what might feel good to me might not feel good to you. And that's okay. And every, every body is different. And I love that idea of self-exploration as a way to really identify like what feels good to you. And then you can either do that by yourself, or you can do that with your partner and bring it to the table. And I think it probably also unearths, you know, if there's a, a communication block with a partner, right? Like if you don't feel safe to be honest with your partner about what's working or what's not. I feel like that could be, um, a symptom of something much deeper that you can look at. Yeah. Do you want to add to that? 
I do. There's a lot of fear for women when it comes to demanding that our sacred feminine be honored. If we are unsatisfied with our partner's sexual relationship, we are afraid to bring that to the table, lest we either offend the penis owner in question, lose the relationship, cause us some other type of consternation. So then we end up shouldering this burden on our own. And does that do anything for your libido? Is that going to help you become a more in tune and sexual and sacred creature? Of course not. So then the dynamic, and remember, this is also coming back to the power dynamic that can exist. We need to be unafraid to say, hey, you know, this really isn't doing it for me. Let's try something else. It's not as if what you're doing, I don't appreciate. I, I, I'm glad that you're trying. Let's bring something else. It's not one of those yes, buts. You go, yes, and let's do this. Yes, and let's try this other thing. That's how you kind of get, get an end run around that and overcome the fears that we have around sex and sexual intercourse and partnered sex, especially. Yeah. And I would imagine that it's something, if this is resonating with you and you're listening and and you feel like you carry some of that fear, we want you to know that you're not alone. And also I can imagine that this is like a muscle. The more you practice it, the more you strengthen it. And so it could just be with, you know, honoring, do you want to be intimate with me right now? And being honest of yes or no. And then you've, you've spoken your truth. And then when you're being intimate with your partner, maybe, you know, making a suggestion or asking them to do something or, but like allowing yourself to take baby steps into this, if this is new for you. Um, and I, I love this conversation because it, it really is a ripple effect. It's like how I, it's kind of, I've say this a lot where it's like how you are with one thing is how you are with most things or, or all things. So if you have trouble taking up space in the bedroom or even taking up space within your own body or being intimate with your body, it's going to be hard for you to find intimacy with a partner. But I want everyone to know that if that is resonating, that is something you can learn, you can develop, you can practice, and there should be no self-blame because as Dr. Williams shared, this is something that we have inherited as women to oppress us and keep us down. And it is, it's not, it's something that you learned, right? You learned to be ashamed of your body or to not speak your truth. You, maybe you, at some point in your life, it wasn't safe for you to speak your truth or there's trauma or so I just giving yourself so much compassion and Dr. Williams, if someone is kind of like unsure where to start with all this, like what would you recommend they do? If you're really unsure where to start, if you have a practitioner who you trust, start with your ob They do vaginas all day, all the time express your concerns to that person. That's a trusted person. They should have the knowledge. And guess what? Here's the thing. If they don't, or if they dismiss you, or if they, you feel as if they're not listening to your concerns and really internalizing them and trying to provide, because they know you, they're, they should be getting to know you then find somebody else. Always start there. I would start with this. That's a trusted person. I tr- try to say, do you not avoid 
going to the internet to find stuff. Because like we said, what's going to happen if you type these things in, you're going to find somebody trying to charge you $79.95 for whatever fill in the blank cure all that is probably not going to work. Because a lot of times this is not going to be a quick fix. This is something that's going to have to develop and gel with time. And when you find the right support systems, then you're going to find yourself on that path to healing. I love that. That's, that's so smart. Yeah. Avoid the internet going down that rabbit hole and just find a trusted expert. Like what a concept, but so many of us are like, I'm just going to go on social media and find that it's like, no, find, find a doctor, find someone. But I love that you said, Dr. Williams, you know, find someone that truly listens to you and who you feel safe with, because I know I've been to doctors where I'm like, okay, they can do the job, but I don't connect with them. I mean, it's kind of like finding a therapist. I always say just shop around because you want to find someone that you, that you resonate with and that you connect with and you feel safe with. So you can have really honest and open conversations about your body and your feelings. And it's interesting, Dr. Williams, I guess maybe I had a misconception about gynecologists. I wouldn't have thought that if I was having like, if I, I would think to go to a gynecologist, if I, you know, let's say I was having vaginal dryness or something like that, I would think, okay, I'm going to go see a doctor about that. But what I'm picking up from you, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, is that if maybe there's something physical I'm questioning, but that, that people can also bring to you their fears around sex or their fears around intimacy or, and I guess I didn't really, so do people do that a lot? Like do the, is that something that happens in a gynecology office? Because I didn't even know that that happened. Honestly, I thought it was mostly just, okay, this is how your body works. And I mean, <laughs> oh, we're not just pap smears. Um, so what we do what I do in my office very specifically is um, not a whole lot of OBGYNs get trained in how to think about the entire vaginal pelvic health uterine, the entire complex. So I did a, an extra training under urogynecologist and in minimally invasive surgery. So this extra training kind of brought with it, how do we treat some of these more complicated issues surrounding the pelvis and the pelvic floor? So the pelvic floor has these muscles that hold everything up and keep everything in place. Now I've had some of my patients, in fact, this happened a lot more during the pandemic. Many of my patients, many more than normal. And I would see one a day, then I was starting to see two and then three a day presenting to me with the main concern of decreased libido and sexual pain. And what has been happening and what I noticed in about 80% of my patients is that our tension is being held in our vagina. See, I hold my tension between my, my neck and my shoulder. So I gotta have the dude get in there with the elbow and do all the stuff and you know, just like work it all out, which is painful, but I feel so much better when I'm done. This is happening with a lot of my patients with their pelvic floor. So when something tries to get in, they almost kind of feel like they're hitting a wall and it's incredibly tight and they can't get it in. They even may have a problem getting in just even a tampon. And that's something that we can treat in the office. So that is an actual physical thing that we can treat, even though it may have spiritual mental roots, these things manifest physically. And that's something that we can address. Mm, that makes so much sense. Yes. That we store stress and tension in different parts of our body. And in terms of the pelvic floor, 
I would love for you to share about, I know that as a mom and I have a lot of mom friends, there's just an ongoing joke about after you give birth, you know, you are, you can't jump on a trampoline because you're going to pee your pants or you're going to, you're out running and you're just peeing or you're coughing and you're peeing. So what is the, why does that happen? And what can we do about it? That happens because during the birthing process, it's a big, it's a long, arduous process, putting a lot of pressure on that pelvic floor, which can weaken the muscles. Now in Europe, and you know, I talk about the Europeans fairly much in the book as, you know, yes, they are somewhat more enlightened. They're still not that great, but they do some things pretty good. After a woman gives birth in France, she is given eight to 12 weeks of pelvic floor physical therapy to learn how to control those muscles again. Look, you just did this major exercise, right? Major, major exercise. And the muscles have been damaged to a certain extent, but they can be rebuilt. We just need the proper tools. And in countries like France, they are actually given those tools. And it isn't just Kegels. You know, you read about Kegels on the cover of Cosmo, you had to do that and got to do this. Yes, it is Kegels, but there's also several yoga positions that I do actually, you know, advocate for such as a bridge pose, a downward dog. Um, what's the other one? I mean, there is another pose where you actually have to, have to lift up your pelvis. So these are all pelvic elevating exercises that you can do in order to help decrease those little leaks. And we talk about some of those things actually in This Is How You Vagina, because we recognize they happen, but we also recognize that they can be remedied. I love that. And I'm a, I'm a yoga teacher. So this is, this is very cool to hear you talk about how yoga can be helpful as well. Um, yeah, that's really interesting that in France that they provide that education and like treatment for women after giving birth in terms of pelvic floor exercises, like what a concept and how do we in the United States compare to other countries in terms of how we treat women in terms of childbirth and postpartum recovery specifically. I'm curious about that because I've always said that as a mother of two young kids, it doesn't feel like the world is really built to support parents of young children. And I know that there's a a lot going on around maternal health and family leave. And, um, but it sounds like you've done a lot of research in terms of how we kind of compare to other countries. So I would love to hear how, how we measure up. We suck basically. So if you're talking about developed countries, I'm not talking about developing nations or anything. We are talking about um, England, Germany, the Netherlands, Finland, Denmark. We rank close to the bottom in all parameters, especially when it comes to maternal morbidity and mortality. The United States is the worst place to have a baby in any developed nation on this planet. We are higher, we're more likely to die or experience some catastrophic near-death event than any other developed nation. We have very little in terms of support for women who have had children. Of course, we can't even get four weeks of paid family leave right now. And this is supposed to be this brand new administration. They're gonna really help out. Well, if we can't get paid family leave, you had a baby, then what happens to you? What happens to childcare? We couldn't even get childcare 
most European nations will have subsidized early childhood education that is of a very high standard that is supported by society because our society thrives on the very small people that it makes who are going to become adult people one day. So if we're not supporting our very smallest citizens, then I fear for this country and we have been just skating by and this is something that really, really, really needs to change as soon as possible. They're trying to make some strides, but for me, it's really just a drop in the bucket. And this goes back to, and I wanna bring this all the way back and circle back to how women have been subjugated. Even though we have the power of birth, we still just kind of take everything upon ourselves. Like, oh, well, I gotta get the kid care. I gotta do this and I gotta do that. Well where's our help? We should have help for this. We're raising the citizens of this country for the next generation. We should be having a heck of a lot more help than we do. Yes. Amen to that. I mean, it's so refreshing to hear you say all that because I feel just as a mom of young kids and I have every privilege, I have support, I have help. I have, you know, I'm a white cisgendered woman and I still feel like I don't have enough support. And it's just like, we can do better. We can do better. So I want to transition into closing, talking about your book, because I'm so excited about it. So it's called, this is how you vagina and tell us about why you wrote the book and like, who should read this book. So, um, the book is called, this is how you vagina all about your vajayjay and why you probably shouldn't call it that. That is my subtitle. Um, Which is the best. I have to to interrupt you. It is like (laughs) the best title. I was telling my husband, like, it's like, this is how you have a JJ and why you should never call it that. And he was dying. He's like, that is a brilliant title. Like he loved that so much. Uh, Thank you. I did that because we as women call our vaginas everything other than the actual anatomical term vagina. We'll call it cooch. We'll call her kitty. We'll call it snatch. We'll call it cha-cha all of these other things to downplay her greatness. That is why I wrote the book. It's a love letter to my patients. And it is a way that I want you to understand your beautiful sacred feminine and the power that you have within her and understand her physiology, all of her ebbs and flows and realize that most of what you're experiencing is actually normal. And I also want us to unlearn how we treat and how we discuss and how we talk about our genitalia and normalize the actual words for her because words have meaning, words have power. I was a lit major. I know that words matter. People are like, oh, well, words don't matter. Which color doesn't matter? Yes, it really does. Because we rob her of her significance when we discuss it as some other, you know, cutesy little fluffy thing as opposed to the actual power in the word vagina. Absolutely. And as a mom, I've been very conscious of using the actual words with my children too. And that was something that I want to tell you has gotten out, which is great because that was shared with me when I first had kids is please use the actual like anatomical words for their parts and don't, you know, make up words. And that was, that's a way for them to be empowered, but also to keep them safe, you know, with other people as well. So I, I love that. And I agree words really matter. So if people want to grab your book or just learn more about you, cause I know you're just such a huge advocate of 
sharing all of your knowledge with us so generously. Where can people find you? You can find me at www.thisishowyouvagina.com. It has all, all everything about the book, things about myself and an easy link where you can go and purchase the book and read it for yourself. I love it. And we'll be sure to put all of those links in our show notes. So Dr. Williams, thank you so much for your time today. This was amazing. So empowering. I learned so much. I know our listeners did too. So thank you for being here. Great. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. It was amazing to be with you too. Have a great one. Elizabeth Marbury, and I want to thank you for listening and hanging out with me today. Join our free community of brave soul sisters who are crushing it on their journey to body love and food freedom by going to confidentfemininebodygroup.com. That's confidentfemininebodygroup.com. And be sure to download my free gift while you're there. I'd also love to hang out with you on social media. You can follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Elizabeth Marbury. I am sending you so much love today and always. See you next time.